0: Silver Chair by C.S. Lewis Chapter 14 The Bottom of the World
1: My name is Gulg," said the gnome, and I'll tell you us all I know. About an hour ago we were all going about our work, her work, I should say, sad and silent, same as we've done any other day for years and years. Then came a great crash and a bang. As soon as they heard it, Everyone says to himself, I haven't had a song or a dance or let off a squib for a long time. Why is that? And everyone thinks to himself, Why, I must have been enchanted. And then everyone says to himself, I'm blessed if I know why I'm carrying this load, and I'm not going to carry it any further. That's that. And down we all throw our sacks and bundles and tools. Then everyone turns and sees the great red glow over yonder, and everyone says to himself, What's that? And everyone answers himself and says, There's a crack or a chasm split open, and a nice warm glow coming up through it from the really deep land, a thousand fathoms under us.
0: Great Scott, exclaimed Eustace, are there other lands still lower down?
1: Oh yes, your honor, said Gulp, lovely places. What we call the land of Bism, this country, where we are now, the witch's country, is what we call the Shadowlands. It's a good deal too near the surface to suit us. Ugh! Like, you might almost as well be living outside on the surface itself. You see, we're all poor gnomes from Bism whom the witch has called up here by magic to work for her. But we'd forgotten all about it till that crash came and the spell broke. We didn't know who we were or where we belonged. We couldn't do anything or think anything except what she put into our heads. And it was glum and gloomy things she put there all those years. I'd nearly forgotten how to make a joke or dance a jig. But the moment the bang came and the chasm opened and the sea began rising, it all came back. And of course we all set off as quick as we could to get down the crack and home to our own place. And you can see them over there, all letting off rockets and standing on their heads for joy. And I'll be very obliged, your honours, if you'll soon let me go and join in. I think this is simply splendid, said Jill. I'm so glad we freed the gnomes as well as ourselves when we cut off the witch's head. And I'm so glad they aren't really horrid and gloomy any more than the prince really was. Well, what he seemed like. "'That's all very well,
0: Paul,' said Puddlegum cautiously. "'But those gnomes didn't look to me like chaps who were just running away. "'It looked more like military
1: formations, if you ask me. "'Do you look me in the face, Mr. Golg, and tell me you weren't preparing for battle?' "'Of course we were, Your Honour,' said Golg. "'You see, we didn't know the witch was dead. "'We thought she'd be watching from the castle.' We were trying to slip away without being seen. And then when you four came out with swords and horses, of course everyone says to himself, here it comes, not knowing that his honour wasn't on the witch's side. And we were determined to fight like anything rather than give up the hope of going back to bism.
0: I'll be sworn tis an honest gnome, said the prince. Let go of it, friend Puddleglum. As for me, good Gog." I have been enchanted like you and your fellows, and have but newly remembered myself. And now, one question more. Do you know the way of those new diggings by which the sorceress meant to lead out an army against Overland?
1: <laughs> Sweet
0: squeaked Gold.
1: Yes, I know that terrible road. I will show you where it begins. But it is no manner of use your honour asking me to go with you on it. I'll die, rather." why asked Eustace anxiously what's so dreadful about it it's too near the top the outside said Gog shuddering that was the worst thing the witch did to us we were going to be let out into the open into the outside of the world they say there's no roof at all there only a horrible great emptiness called the sky and the diggings have gone so far that a few strokes of the pick would bring you out to it I wouldn't dare go near them
0: hurrah now we're talking cried eustace and jill said but it's not
1: horrid at all up there we like it we live there i know you overlanders live there said gog but i thought it was because you couldn't find your way down inside you can't really like it crawling about like flies on the top of the world what about showing us the road at once
0: said Puddleglum. "'In a good hour,' cried the prince. "'The whole party set out. "'The prince remounted his charger. "'Pottleglum climbed up behind Jill, and Golg led the way. "'As he went, he kept shouting out the good news that the witch was dead, "'and that the four overlanders were not dangerous. "'And those who heard him shouted it on to others, "'so that in a few minutes the whole of Underland was ringing with shouts and cheers,' And gnomes by hundreds and thousands, leaping, turning, cartwheels, standing on their heads, playing leapfrog and letting off huge crackers, came pressing round coal black and snowflake. And the prince had to tell the story of his own enchantment and deliverance at least ten times. In this way they came to the edge of the chasm. It was about a thousand feet long and perhaps two hundred wide. They dismounted from their horses and came to the edge and looked down into it. The strong heat smote up into their faces, mixed with a smell which was quite unlike any they had ever smelled. It was rich, sharp, exciting, and made you sneeze. The depth of the chasm was so bright that at first it dazzled their eyes, and they could see nothing. When they got used to it, they thought they could make out a river of fire, and on the banks of that river what seemed to be fields and groves of an unbearable hot brilliance though they were dim compared with the river. There were blues, reds, greens, and whites all jumbled together. A very good stained glass window with the tropical sun staring straight through it at midday might have something of the same effect. Down the rugged sides of the chasm, looking black like flies against all that fiery light, hundreds of earthmen were climbing. honors, said Gold and when they turned to look at him, they could see nothing but blackness for a few minutes. Their eyes were
1: so dazzled. Your Honours, why don't you come down to Bism? You'd be happier there than in that cold, unpredicted, naked country out on top. Or at least come down for a short visit. Jill took it for granted
0: that none of the others would listen to such an idea for a moment. To her horror, she heard the prince saying, Truly, friend Gould, I have half a mind to come down with you, for this is a marvellous adventure, and it may be no mortal man has ever looked into Bism before, or will ever have the chance again. And I know not how, as the years pass, I shall bear to remember that it was once in my power to have probed the uttermost pit of the earth and that I forebode, but could a man live there? You do not swim in the fire river
1: itself. "'Oh, no, your honour, not we. "'It's only salamanders live in the fire itself.'
0: "'What kind of beast is your salamander?' asked the prince.
1: "'It is hard to tell your kind, your Honour. said Golg. "'For they are too white-hot to look at. "'But they are most like small dragons. "'They speak to us out of the fire. "'They are wonderfully clever with their tongues, "'very witty and eloquent.'
0: Jill glanced hastily at Eustace. She had felt sure that he would like the idea of sliding down that chasm even less than she did. Her heart sank as she saw that his face was quite changed. He looked much more like the prince than like the old scrub at Experiment House. For all his adventures, and the days when he had sailed with King Caspian, were coming back to him. Your Highness, he said, if my old friend Reapercheek the Mouse were here, He would say we could not now refuse the adventures of Bism, without a great impeachment to our honour.
1: Down there, said Gog, I could show you real gold, real silver, real diamonds.
0: Bosh, said Jill rudely, as if we didn't know that we're below the deepest mines even here.
1: Yes, said Gog, I have heard of those little scratches in the crust that you top dwellers call mines. But that's where you get dead gold, dead silver, dead gems. Down in Bism, we have them alive and growing. There, I'll pick you bunches of rubies that you can eat, and squeeze you a cupful of diamond juice. And you won't care much about fingering the cold, dead treasures of your shallow mines after you have tasted the live ones in Bism.
0: My father went to the world's end, said Rillian thoughtfully. It would be marvellous thing if his son went to the bottom of the world. If your highness wants to see your father while he's still alive, which I think he'd prefer, said Puddleglum, it's about time we were getting on to that road to the diggings. And I won't go down that hole whatever anyone says, added Joe.
1: Why, if your honours are really set to go back to Overworld, said Gog is one bit of the road that's rather lower than this, and perhaps if that flood's still rising, oh, do 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 come, begged Jill
0: I fear it must be so said the prince with a deep sigh but I have left half of my heart in the land of bism. Please begged Jill Where is the road? asked Puddleglum
1: There are lamps all the way said Golg. "'Your honour can see the beginning of the road "'on the far side of the chasm.'
0: "'How long will lamps burn for?' asked Puddleglum. "'At that moment, a hissing, scorching voice, "'like the voice of fire itself, "'they wondered afterward if it could have been a salamanders, "'came hissing up out of the very depth of bism. "'Quick, quick, quick! "'To the cliffs, to the cliffs, to the cliffs!' it said. The rift closes,
1: it closes, it
0: closes, quick, quick. And at the same time, with ear-shattering cracks and creaks, the rocks moved. Already, while they looked, the chasm was narrower. From every side, belated gnomes were rushing into it. They would not wait to climb down the rocks. They flung themselves headlong, and either because so strong a blast of hot air was beating up from the bottom, or for some other reason they could be seen floating downward like leaves. Thicker and thicker they floated till their blackness almost blotted out the fiery river and the groves of live gems.
1: "'Goodbye to your honors!
0: I'm off!' shouted Gold, and dived. Only a few were left to follow him. The chasm was now no broader than a stream. Now it was narrow as a slit in a pillar box. Now it was only an intensely bright thread." Then, with a shock like a thousand goods trains crashing into a thousand pairs of buffers, the lips of rock closed. The hot, maddening smell vanished. The travelers were alone in an underworld, which now looked far blacker than before. Pale, dim, and dreary, the lamps marked the direction of the road. Now, said Puddleglum, it's ten to one we've already stayed too long, but... We may as well make a try. Those lamps will give out in five minutes, I shouldn't wonder." They urged the horses to a canter and thundered along the dusky road in fine style. But almost at once it began going downhill. They would have thought Golg had sent them the wrong way if they had not seen, on the other side of the valley, the lamps going on and upward as far as the eye could reach. But at the bottom of the valley the lamps shone on moving water. "'Haste!' cried the prince. They galloped down the slope. It would have been nasty enough at the bottom even five minutes later, for the tide was running up the valley like a mill race, and if it had come to swimming, the horses could hardly have won over. But it was still only a foot or two deep, and though it swished terribly round the horses' legs, they reached the far side in safety. Then began the slow, weary march uphill with nothing ahead to look at, but the pale lamp's which went up and up as far as the eye could reach. When they looked back, they could see the water spreading. All the hills of Underland were now islands, and it was only on those islands that the lamps remained. Every moment, some distant light vanished. Soon, there would be total darkness everywhere except on the road they were following, and even on the lower part of it behind them, though no lamps had yet gone out, the lamplight shone on water. Although they had good reason for hurrying, the horses could not go on forever without a rest. They halted, and in silence, they could hear the lapping of water. I wonder, is what's-his-name Father Time flooded out now, said Jill, and all those queer sleeping animals? I don't think we're as high as that, said Eustace. Don't you remember how we had to go downhill to reach the sunless sea? I shouldn't think the water has reached Father Time's cave yet. "'That's as may be,' said Puddleglum. "'I'm more interested in the lamps on this road. "'Look a bit sickly, don't they?' "'They always did,' said Jill. "'Ah,' said Puddleglum, "'but they're greener now.' "'You don't mean to say you think they're going out,' "'cried Eustace. "'Well, however they look, "'you can't expect them to last forever, you know,' "'replied the Marshwiggle. "'But don't let your spirits down scrub i've got my eye on the water too and i don't think it's rising so fast as it did small comfort friend said the prince if we cannot find our way out i cry you mercy all i am to blame for my pride and fantasy which delayed us by the mouth of the land of bism now let us ride on During the hour or so that followed, Jill sometimes thought that Puddleglum was right about the lamps, and sometimes thought it was only her imagination. Meanwhile, the land was changing. The roof of Underland was so near that even by that dull light, they could now see it quite distinctly, and the great, rugged walls of Underland could be seen drawing closer on each side. The road, in fact, was leading them up into a steep tunnel. They began to pass picks and shovels and burrows and other signs that the diggers had recently been at work. If only one could be sure of getting out, all this was very cheering. The thought of going on into a hole that would get narrower and narrower and harder to turn back in was very unpleasant. At last, the roof was so low that Puddleglum and the prince knocked their heads against it. The party dismounted and led the horses. The road was uneven here and one had to pick one's steps with some care. That was how Jill noticed the growing darkness. There was no doubt about it now. The faces of the others looked strange and ghastly in the green glow. Then, all at once, she couldn't help it. Jill gave a little scream. One light, the next one ahead, went out altogether. The one behind them did the same. Then, they were in absolute darkness. "'Courage, friends,' came Prince Rillian's voice. "'Whether we live or die, Aslan will be our good lord.' "'That's right, sir,' said Puddleglum's voice. "'And you must always remember, "'there's one good thing about being trapped down here. "'It'll save funeral expenses.' "'Jill held her tongue. "'If you don't want other people to know how frightened you are, "'this is always a wise thing to do. "'It's your voice that gives you away.' We might as well go on as as stand here, said Eustace. And when she heard the tremble in his voice, Jill knew how wise she'd been not to trust her own. Puddleglum and Eustace went first with their arms stretched out in front of them for fear of blundering into anything. Jill and the prince followed, leading the horses. I say, came Eustace's voice much later, are my eyes going queer or is that patch of light up there? Before anyone can answer him puddle glum called out stop i'm up against a dead end and it's earth and not rock what were you saying scrub by the lion said the prince eustace is right there is a sort of but it's not daylight said joe it's only a cold blue sort of light better than nothing though said eustace can we get up to it It's not right overhead, said Puddleglum. It's above us, but it's in this wall that I've run into. How could it be, Pole, if you got on my shoulders and saw whether you could get up to it?